Well, that was a hectic few days. Everybody feeling all right? Whew, man, I'm telling you, I, I feel like Thanksgiving and Christmas, Christmas is like a whiplash scenario, right? I, I don't feel like if you look at the calendar any other time, uh, you don't see holidays collide with such calamity and craziness, right? So Thanksgiving, a wonderful time to sit around, hopefully with some family, some friends, um, or even just by yourself to reflect on what God has done and be grateful and thankful and say thank you for what I do have. And it, it's hard sometimes because uh, we're missing or there's pain or there's illness or there's loss. Uh, but hopefully we would have an opportunity um, maybe even to eat a whole lot of food, I, which I'm a fan of, I'm not going to lie. But I'm telling you, as soon as that last piece of pie is done, I mean, Christmas is like slamming through the door at 100 miles an hour. It's like difficult for me, right? So if you had a stressful few days like myself, you can relate. Thanksgiving, Black Friday starts Thursday now, which is crazy, but capitalism, there you go. Um, uh, Christmas prep. I don't know about you guys, but our family tradition is we do Thanksgiving. Sometimes we're in Missouri with family. Sometimes we're here and we import family. Um, and then the day after Thanksgiving, there's a few people in my family that like to shop. I prefer Monday. I go online. No lines. Um, and we decorate the house for Christmas. We put up our Christmas tree, little stockings, that weird elf that sits on places and stares at me. This is kind of creepy. How did we latch on to something like that? As Americans, we're like, yes, we want a little doll spying. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you're like me, uh, what my wife brought to the party, uh, her grandparents for decades uh, decorated the tree and uh, put Christmas ornaments and fun stuff uh, around the house while watching Christmas movies and eating pizza. And I am a fan of that. It's very relaxing. It's fun. I've got a bunch of little girls and we, we, have, uh, we have some favorite Christmas movies. Uh, Elf is one of my favorites. If, if sugar is a part of the food group, then I'm, I'm for it. Try again later. Try it for service. Um, uh, another one uh, that my kids really love is the Grinch. It's so Christmas, very out there, kind of wacky, but it's a good time. My, my wife's favorite show is White Christmas. You guys know that? Have you seen White Christmas? Oh, there's some cheering. Obviously, it's popular. You've heard of it. I don't like the movie, but I love, I love how my family interacts with the movie. So my wife is normally not a singer or a dancer, and my, my little girls are just walking around with the biggest spirits, and then all of a sudden somebody starts dancing on the movie, right? And then they start dancing, and my, my poor Meyer falls over and stands up and falls over and stands up and falls over. Um, and then they start singing, and then all of a sudden my little girls and my wife are like singing duets back and forth, and I'm, I'm taping it all on you know, my iPad, so I'm going to put it up to social media one day when they date. Anyway, so... But I, I don't like the movie per se. I love to watch my family watch the movie. But it's just kind of our little tradition. Your family might have different traditions. Um, but speaking about uh, Christmas movies, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody heard of it? Okay. It's only about 60 years old. So spoiler alerts. I'm going to talk about it just for a second. If you haven't seen it, that's not my fault. All right. So it's about 60 years old. And it deals with some very difficult topics. It's not a normal Christmas movie where there's Santas and elves and everybody's hugging each other and everything's perfect. To be very honest, it's, it's kind of dark. If you think about it, uh, Jimmy Stewart plays a frustrated businessman named George Bailey. 
And because of life caving in around him, George is a good guy. He's not a perfect guy. He's got kids and a wife and a business. But, you know, the, the enemy of, of the show uh, is, is threatening to take the bank and take the town. And, and he is stressed out. And to be honest, he's, he's contemplating suicide. And again, this is a serious topic. This is normally not Christmas movie worthy. But I love it because I've been there. I've been through the hard Christmas season and asked hard questions of like, man, my life is messy. My relationships are broken. Should I be here? Would the world be a better place without John Muffler? And that's the question he asks. An angel is sent to remind him that each person has a great impact on others. And so through the movie... um, Uh, Jimmy Stewart interacts, or he doesn't interact, he kind of watches how other people would live out their existence without his influence. And he realized, he comes to know that like he's had a very positive influence, not because he's perfect, but because he's loving. And at the end of the movie, I mean, it is a Christmas movie, there's hugging and there's bells going off and stuff like that, right? But I love it. It makes my heart happy to know that someone was brave enough to have a hard conversation about the feelings that come with Christmas, even with a storybook ending. And it got me thinking, there's a guy named Dr. James Kennedy who wrote a book years and years ago with a similar question that maybe you and I have had. What if Jesus was never born? So I can say, because of my broken life and my my issues, maybe life would be better without me, or man, maybe life is so stressful, I've, I've contemplated some things. But he asked, you know, what would history look like without Jesus, without the followers of Christ. Now, it's church, it's Sunday morning, let's be honest. If we really want to start hashing up every single thing Christians have done over the last 2,000 years, there are a few things that we would be very embarrassed about. And I get it, we are human beings and we make mistakes. But what Dr. Uh, what Dr. James Kennedy writes, he says, listen, this movement, the Jesus that was born influenced his followers and through thousands of years has made this world so much of a better, healthier place because of their generosity. Let's, here's a few things that Dr. Kennedy reminds us of in his book, the positive things. Uh, literacy and education for the masses. No longer is it if you're rich, you can read. Throughout the years, anyone, everyone has an opportunity and really people of faith kind of push that. Uh, benevolence and charity. I'm, a, I'm grateful to be an American. And I understand government is difficult. And if there is a tragedy, if there is a, a natural disaster, who are the very first boots there? Is it FEMA? It's faith groups. It's churches. Because of their charity, because of their desire to love, you and I, we're a part of a, a congregation. We don't need to ask our senator, if we can go help a tornado victim down the road. We rally, we look at each other and say, hey, we would hope this would be something someone do for us, would do for us if our home was de- uh, devastated. We could rally quick. People of faith throughout history have shown benevolence and charity. Uh, Christians have shown a high regard for human life. The elevation of women. Now, I've, I live with a lot of estrogen. I have estrogen coming out of my doors. I was raised by a very strong mother. And so when I look at this, I kind of have a soapbox, and I'm not going to share it, but I love to be a part of a movement that respects, cherishes, and protects women. If you look at scripture written 2,000 years ago, this was very uncommon to write a woman's name, let alone even tally them in a group. But what did we see Jesus do? 
He hung around women that were faithful. He loved them. He considered them friends. He considered them partners in the kingdom. This was very countercultural. This was not happening. And because, and I know we're not to where we need to be as a culture treating everyone in equality, but I'm excited to be a part of a faith group that looks at women and cherishes them and says, you are special. You are not just one step above property. Now, most of the great universities were started by followers of Christ. They're, they're not anymore, but that's okay. Um, uh, hospitals created by faith groups, and even more important, the hope that, uh, of Jesus has spread to millions, if not billions of people over these millennia. The generosity of Jesus Christ and followers that has come behind him has made this world so much better of a place. Now, even today, the generosity of the church continues to capture the attention of people from all over the world. It reflects the love that Jesus demonstrated for us as he, uh, as he sent a powerful message that God so loves the world that he gave. No strings attached. Isn't this fantastic? Ladies and gentlemen, God so loved you that he gave his son. Not if you get your life together, not if your finances are put together, not if your relationships are stable. He did not look at us and say, as soon as you are like me, you may hang out with me. But because, because of God's great love, he sent Jesus when we were still his enemy, while we're still sinners. He looked at us with an open hand and said, I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you grace generations of Christians have been spreading this message. The generosity of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to change the culture around us. Uh, the world is a better place because of the generosity of Jesus. Uh, he sets the example and demands it from his followers. There are very few things in this church that we would look at and say, you have to do as a Christian. We don't have a dress code. We, we don't care what, what color, what background, what, what last name. It doesn't matter what education. It doesn't matter anything. But you know what God demands of us is that we are to love others. That we are to give graciously and abundantly to other people love. Matter of fact, he says that Jesus said that the world would know you are a believer of mine based on the love you have for others. Not because of your church attendance, not because of that really cool Christian t-shirt you have, not because of this bumper sticker on the back of your car. Nothing but love. This world would know us based on no other thing but how we love generously. James Craft quote, Love this. Um, Kraft, uh, you like his cheese. I like his cheese. We all like his cheese. Uh, the only investment I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. This is a man that says, you know what? Finances are great. Money, security, that's all wonderful and well and good. But any time I give to the kingdom, I see it reverberating and continuing. When I'm generous, it spurs on other people's generosity. Now, so this morning we're wrapping up our series on generosity reimagined. Today, we're going to be looking at how can we find joy? How do we see excitement in generosity? Because sometimes when we think of generosity, we think, ah, oh, the church once again asking us to give money. And I'm not asking that at all. Matter of fact, um, if you're a family member, I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest, first of all, congratulations for being brave and trying church. Nicely done. If you're online and you're still in a turkey coma, good job. 
You, you tuned in. Listen, this is not one more time for us to say, hey, we need money. What I'm saying is this. When we start to realize that everything we own is God's, it doesn't really include money anymore. In, well, it includes money. I'm sorry. I apologize. It includes wealth. It's your time. It's your talents. It's your wealth. If it's your responsibilities. It's your influences. It's your family. We can leverage everything that God has given to us. When we live like God owns everything, it's not nearly about money. At the beginning of the, uh, the series, we invited you to take a card off the generosity board. Um, and I love this. We got some amazing responses. Matter of fact, all of our campuses uh, ran out of cards. And so we had to keep stocking cards on this generosity board. And if you haven't had a chance uh, to have this little mini adventure, uh, pick a card up. It's going to give you a, a tiny little piece of how you can just maybe step outside your boundaries and love and share with others. But we would love to share just a few uh, with you what we got back this morning. We've heard some great stories. Listen to this video. It's fantastic. We took cookies to Stonebridge Health Campus and had them passed out to the residents who don't get a lot of visitors. Our loose change went to pay for three prescription medications for a lady who has been abused for too many years. Last Sunday, we had a big storm. We were driving home and all the streets were flooded due to the leaves blocking all the drains. My husband went out in the storm to clear all the drains. I had just thought about helping an elderly couple from our old neighborhood. The husband is taking care of his wife who has severe dementia. This challenge gave me the push I needed to follow through. We invite friends and newcomers to church and welcome them to join us for lunch at the farm. We made a donation to the Bloomington Boys and Girls Club and are also going to look into the volunteer opportunities listed in the November On Target pamphlet. I plan to make a pot of chili this week and the morning I put it all together, I thought of our challenge to make a meal and share it with a friend. I was thinking how happy I was to open our home for a friend and we were the ones to receive the blessing. Had a great day serving with other Sherwood Oaks folks and the exterior of the Hannah House grounds were transformed to beautiful. I baked cookies and delivered to the Bloomington Police Department. They seem very appreciative. Family of five came over for breakfast and are coming to church with us. This experience made me realize that I don't need to wait for a big thing to do. It's the daily, moment-by-moment -moment small choices that I make and say and do that can also have a big impact on God's kingdom. I love these stories of generosity. These are faith builders to me. When I see people in the kingdom who are broken and messed up and, and not perfect just like me, doing small things, big things, in between things, to give glory to God through their actions, that helps me. I love seeing these stories. My favorite one, and I want to repeat it for you because it, it hits me hard. It says this, this experience made me realize that I don't need to wait for a big thing to do. Man, I struggle with that. Day to day, sometimes I just get tripped up. I look for the big things. But they go on to say, it's a daily moment by moment, small choices that I make and say and do that can also have a big impact on God's kingdom. What an amazing quote. What an amazing story. Thank you guys for not only picking up a card, thank you for, for going on those mini adventures and that feedback. Again, if you haven't picked up one, I'd love for you uh, to experience that challenge later. There's more out there. Uh, so this morning, we're going to be looking at the joy, the joy of sharing, the joy of, of gratitude. Like we are going to be looking at some scripture uh, of how we give generously and how that impacts one another and how that impacts God. 
So, first one I would love to share is, and this is selfish, but you know, you start with the selfish and you go to the godly. It's good stuff like that. People that share are blessed. Let's just say it. People that give are blessed. Now, I'm not saying if you give a dollar, you get a dollar. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying in the kingdom, God takes care of people that share. Now, as a child, it was way better to receive than to give, but through maturity, we understand that helping others has its rewards. I remember as a kid opening boxes and boxes and looking at these plastic toys and having a good time with them, and eventually they break, and eventually you either give them away or you share them with somebody else or you just throw them away, right? These are just things. But if you're a parent, even a grandparent, you know the joy that comes with giving. Giving someone that's little, someone that that you've loved every day of their life, an experience, a gift, something they weren't expecting. You see that and you can say, you know what, there is so much blessing in that when you give. It's nowhere near in comparison when you receive. For our 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, again, this isn't only about wealth. It has to do a lot of our lives. It has to do with how are you interacting with the people around you. I had a professor in college a long time ago uh, tell me this. It's difficult for God to give when your hand is so tight around your wallet. And what he is saying is this. If we don't have an open hand, we can't give. God can't give us. And again, I'm not saying it's a dollar for dollar. I'm saying through all of us who share with all of others, God blesses the giver. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, 6.17-19 through 19 says this, that uh, sharing basically gener uh, generously creates a greater trust in the Lord. Uh, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Anybody else say amen about wealth being so uncertain? Maybe it's just me. Uh, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they will make hold of the life that is truly life. Okay, so I don't know about you, but when I think of generosity, I think of the word share. Sometimes giving hurts, but sharing is fun. Remember what your mom said when you were a kid about your toys? What did she say? Share. You know what your Sunday school teacher is teaching your kids right now? Share. We are to share what we have. It doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot. God calls us to be generous. Again, this open hand with other people to share our toys. And I love that. It's as simple as simple can be because our mom said, you better share your toys. We can take it away. <laughs> uh, wealth is really never looked down on in scripture, but it does come with expectations of sharing. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter where you're at. I would, uh, I would tend to say that if you're in this church in America right now, you, you're pretty wealthy. You may look around at your neighbors and say, well, they have more. But in all honesty, we're 1% of the world's uh, wealth population. So we can share. Sharing generously creates a sense of gratification. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we share, when we have this open-handed stance toward other people, we pour our lives, our resources, um, our talents into other people. We then are blessed ourselves. This refresh could also mean lifted up, built up. When we give, we receive. It's a blessing and a half. The second 
uh, section I want to talk about is people that receive, uh, that receive are blessed. All too often the world feeds on the weak and broken. Now, I've heard this said many things. Oh, that's okay. I'm just trying to climb the ladder. If I ruin his reputation, I'll get the promotion. If this guy's broken and weak, I can just sidestep him and move around and I'll take care of what I need to take care of so it will benefit me. But what we see in scripture is very opposite. Uh, it may uh, call opportunities to get ahead, but we are called to bless others without an idea of getting anything back. You've probably, making an assumption, you know what happens when you do that. Uh, Luke 10, 30 through 35 is the story of the Good Samaritan. Most of you have probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan, so I'll summarize it. There was a man walking to town. He was robbed, beaten. His clothes were taken. That's the part of the story I don't get, but that's okay. Left to be dead on the side of the road in a gutter. A religious leader, a priest, walks by, looks at this broken man and says, what do I have to gain if I help him? It'll hurt my reputation because I hang around somebody who's naked and broken and bloodied. And so the priest, the religious leader, sidesteps the mess and keeps on going. He probably says things like I say. Well, I've got another counseling meeting I got to get to. Oh, I've got a coffee meeting with this student. We can talk about baptism. I say that in my own life. I got to be careful. I look at this and say, what religious leader am I? You and I looking at and saying, ah, the mess is too messy. I'm going to stay over here. The next one is a scribe, basically another uh, a religious person looking and says, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And it sidesteps. The good Samaritan does something countercultural and does something absolutely crazy. He helps someone that he knows cannot do anything for him. 33, let's pick it up there. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine. Thank Advil. When you put the man, uh, then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This man was generous. He didn't know him. He didn't have any expectations of what was coming back to him. He simply looked at a fellow human being and said, You are worth it, and I'm going to give. I'm going to share. And this is so countercultural because, again, sometimes we don't help people when we know nothing's coming back our way. It's ridiculous. Man was attacked and was helpless, but because of the Samaritan's willingness to share, he had hope. Now, the receivers of our open-handedness are not only blessed by what we give or what we do or how we interact with them, but who we represent. And this is something I, I need you guys to listen. If you can take one thing away, this is it. I've heard this many times saying, you cannot meet a spiritual need until you meet a physical need. It is difficult to walk up to a homeless person and say, man, I want to tell you about the hope that I found in Jesus Christ, because guess what they're thinking about right then? Where am I going to sleep? It's cold. You can't walk up to this beautiful, starving child and say, honey, I'd like to tell you about Noah. They're going to look at you and say, what? Sometimes you need to meet a physical need before you can even address a spiritual uh, concern. Sometimes we need to look at the messy people, our neighbors, our family members, and say, you know what? I might not be able to influence you spiritually until I invest in you as a human. And it takes time. It takes time. This last one, God receives the glory when we share. And this is the payoff pitch. I love this. I love this. 2 Corinthians 9, 13 through 15 says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel 
of Christ. For you generously, for you, uh, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, and in the prayers for you and your hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You see, the point of generosity, whether it be your time, talent, maybe even wealth, is not the people that celebrate us. It's the people who celebrate God and his generosity to us through Jesus Christ. It is not me trying to influence you. It is not you trying to be a better neighbor and have better stuff. It is us as a family of believers who are broken for sure, influencing other people that Jesus Christ may receive the glory because he is king. He is our salvation plan. He is the one that loved us while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners. Now, at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, we're a people group helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencer. That's, that's kind of our motto around here. We take that seriously. It's our job to help people help people create Christ-led influencers in our community. We're not here to build bigger buildings. We're not here to have more campuses. We're not here to have somebody's name and lights. We are here as a family of believers to bring glory to God. And when we do, when we share, when we give, people look at the Heavenly Father and say, you must be a Christ follower. The experiment this morning as we look forward to the chaotic time which is leading up to Christmas is this. This is the perfect time to be generous. This is the perfect time. The world looks at, our culture looks at Christmas and well actually might even have a spiritual conversation every once in a while. We have the opportunity to influence people around us, our neighbors, our families, our coworkers. How can you and I share us? How can we share we? Instead of thinking financially, how can I be a better neighbor so that I can influence and bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, not because of my actions, not because of your actions, but could lead to a spiritual conversation and having that play out. Mark Twain once said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Your generosity could be the very thing that helps the spiritually deaf, the spiritually blind in your life see God's grace clearly for the very first time. And I think, I can't think of a better investment as we walk into this holiday season, as we walk into this Christmas season, that we can invest in people that so desperately need it. Allow us to have a hand open in generosity. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know that you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.